My Path 11 podcast book club listeners. How are you guys doing today? I hope you enjoyed chapter one of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, a counterintuitive approach to living a good life, written by Mark Manson. We're going to dive into chapter two today, Happiness is a Problem. And if by chance you just happen to stumble upon this podcast, there is one previous that reviews chapter one. We're going to be going through all nine chapters of this book. Well, I am going to be going through all these nine chapters and basically reading to you the points that I highlighted discussing my thoughts about what I thought about what he wrote and share with you some other comments when I actually did this in a live group of some of the feedback that they had as well. So I love chapter two's title, Happiness is a Problem. Again, like he says, counterintuitive, right? This is a counterintuitive approach. How could happiness be a problem when that's all people are striving for? If you ask people, what do you want in life? I would say probably 90% of people say, I just want to be happy. Well, I think happiness is an illusion, and I really like what he has to say about happiness because, you know, I don't really think that that's the goal of life. I think the goal of life is really to try to get through our issues and our problems with more grace, um, trying to not be so serious about life, and to really, I guess, just cherish those pockets and moments of happiness. I think that's where, that's the big difference. It's not like this huge, long thread of happiness that, that we live in, but do we, can we just cherish those moments when the happiness happens? So on page 25, the last paragraph, he says, life itself is a form of suffering. The rich suffer because of their riches. The poor suffer because of their poverty. People without a family suffer because they have no family. People with a family suffer because of their family. People who pursue worldly pleasures suffer because of their worldly pleasures, and so on. You can see where he's going with this, right? And then on page 27, it says, We suffer for the simple reason that suffering is biologically useful. It's a, it is nature's preferred agent for inspiring change. And I love that. Never really thought about that. On page 28, I remember hearing this for the first time when I was watching the documentary um, The Minimalist on Netflix or Minimalism. The title is one of those two. But they, too, also said what he's saying on page 28, that we are wired to become dissatisfied with whatever we have and satisfied by only what we do not have. This constant dissatisfaction has kept our species fighting and surviving, building and conquering. So that... I don't know, I guess when you just put it that way, that made a lot of sense to me of why we're wired to become dissatisfied. He further goes on to say that pain is useful. It helps us to pay attention to our life. It, you know, shows us what's good, what isn't good. It shows us our limitations. Um, You know, he talks about hot stoves, metal objects, electrical sockets. Like, you know, if you get shocked, you learn. Don't put a fork in in the socket. If you touch the hot stove, you're going to learn not to do that again and burn your hand. He also talks about our psychological pain as an indication of something out of equilibrium, some limitation that has been exceeded. And like our physical pain, our psychological pain is not necessarily always bad or even undesirable. In some cases, experiencing emotional and psychological pain can be healthy or necessary. And, you know, when a lot of people come into my, to my office, usually their request is, I don't want to feel anxiety anymore. I'm tired of being sad. I don't want to be depressed. Again, on the other end of that is I just want to be happy. And I think what people 
don't realize is that the way to get into those moments of happiness is to be with the tough psychological emotions. Like we're constantly trying to run away from them. You know, the mental health field is constantly trying to medicate the anxiety out of people, medicate the depression out of people. Now, I'm not saying that I'm against medication. I think that it could be a very useful tool for many people, especially who have some chemical imbalances, but it's a tool, not something to be 100% dependent upon. But I also think too, you know, before we go putting people on, on medication, what have their coping skills been? Have they actually learned what it means to just sit with the sadness, to be with it, accept it, honor it, let it release, let it flow through? I mean, some people are having really appropriate emotional reactions to situations in their life, and they're getting put on medication for it when maybe they should be grieving because somebody just died in their family, or the loss was horrible or tragic. Or maybe they are really stressed because they're going undergoing bankruptcy, or they lost their job, or they're moving their house, or whatever the case may be. It's like people don't know how to tolerate their emotions. And I think it's because we've never really been taught. Um, our society is usually like a quick a quick fix, and nobody really knows what to do when they're not happy. They just feel like they want to, you know, get to the finish line, find the happiness, and whew, all my problems will be solved. And speaking of problems, on page 31, he says, problems never stop. They merely get exchanged and or upgraded. Happiness comes from solving problems. And he says the key word here is solving. If you're avoiding your problems or feel like you don't have any problems, then you're going to make yourself miserable. If you feel like you have problems that you can't solve, you will likewise make yourself miserable. The secret sauce is in the solving of the problems, not in having the problems in the first place. And to be happy, we need something to solve. Happiness is therefore a form of action. It's an activity, not something that is passively bestowed upon you. I love that. Um, And I think, you know, when you think about it, when people do come into therapy, that's also what they're trying to do. They're trying to solve a problem. And I know sometimes they'll say, if we don't have problems, then the mind will make up problems for us to solve. Uh, That tends to happen as well, too. So, and I like how he talked about earlier, how it's, it's biological in nature. I mean, we're kind of we're kind of wired to be able to solve problems, and it's in the solving of it that gives us relief and gives us happiness. Two of the ways that Mark Manson says people kind of mess up uh, getting the opportunity to be happy is they're either in denial, and some people will just deny altogether that problems even exist in the first place, or they're stuck in a victim mentality, and some choose to believe that there's nothing that they can do to solve their problems, even when, in fact, there is a way that they can solve a problem. So they'd rather just say, well, look look what life is doing to me. This is how life is treating me. I am the victim here. There's nothing I can do to make my life better, which I think is a bunch of bullshit. I think we always have a choice. We have a choice to do something better. We are not at, we are not the, at the victim or the mercy of circumstance of anyone. We are in complete control of how we're choosing to feel, how we're going to deal with the problems. As one of my mentors, Tom Campbell, says, he says, it's not about what happens to you. He says, the details of what happens to each person doesn't matter. It's the way that you approach it, the way that you go about trying to solve them. It's the way that you handle it. You know, so you you could have five people go through a house fire and it's all in the perception. You know, somebody can walk out of that fire and say, oh my God, I am just so happy to be alive. Another person can 
walk out of that fire and still have their family and, and pets be alive, but say, everything that I ever worked for is gone, is lost. I'll never be able to get any of that stuff back. And they may not even be focused on the fact that they just lived through a house fire. So again, it's all a matter of perception. And that victim mentality, I'm telling you people, keeps you really, really stuck. Uh, if you find yourself there at times, you know, I, I tell my clients, it's okay to to drop into that space. We all need to feel sorry for ourselves at some, po- at some point, right? Like, why is this happening to me? This is not fair. Have your little tantrum, but then move on and then become more solution focused and figure out what it is that you're going to do to tackle this problem, get through it, become the survivor, not the victim. Now, as we begin to move into pages 33 to 35, he talks about emotions being overrated. He says, emotions evolve for one specific purpose, to help us live and reproduce a little bit better. They are feedback mechanisms telling us that something is either likely right or likely wrong for us. Nothing more, nothing less. And he basically says, that's it with emotions. Don't complicate it. Moving on to page 34 in the middle of the page, he says, in other words, negative emotions are a call to action. When you feel them, it's because you're supposed to do something. Positive emotions, on the other hand, are rewards for taking the proper action. He also talks about emotions are parts of the equation of our lives, but not the entire equation. Just because something feels good doesn't mean it is good. Just because something feels bad doesn't mean that it's bad. He says emotions are merely signposts, suggestions that our neurobiology gives us, not commandments. When trying to navigate these emotions, too, he talks about the two sides of the coin, where some people are taught to completely repress their emotions. Um, They'll deny it. They'll deny the negative emotions. They'll struggle throughout their lives. And then there are people who were over-identify with their emotions. And there's a part here that I actually wrote, ha ha. He says, decision-making based on emotional intuition without the aid of reason to keep it in line pretty much always sucks. You know who bases their entire lives on their emotions? Three-year-old kids and dogs. You know what else three-year-olds and dogs do? Shit on the carpet. Ha ha. And and Leo's here and he's meowing and he's agreeing with Mark there. So it's also saying like, don't get too wrapped up in the emotions. Just allow the emotions to be an indicator where if you're feeling bad, it's a call to action. You need to do something. And if you are feeling positive, then you're probably reaping the rewards of solving a problem and doing something about something that you weren't feeling that great about. And now moving on to pages 36 to the end of the chapter. Choosing your struggle. I love this. He says, if he were to ask you, what do you want out of life? What would your answer be? And he basically goes into what I was talking about before, that most people would answer that question with, I just want to be happy. And he says, a more interesting question that people never consider is, what pain do you want in your life? What are you willing to struggle for? And he says, that seems to be a greater determinant of how our lives turned out. And then, you know, he goes on to give a couple of examples, like, you know, people want to have a great physique, but you don't really want to put in the struggle, the pain, the time to actually go to the gym, get a physical trainer, uh, adjust your eating habits, count your calories. Like, do you really want to go through that pain and struggle? If you do, you're probably going to have success, right? Who, Who are we kidding? Um, if you want to have a great relationship, are you willing to go through the pain of having the really tough conversations of not running away when things get tough? Um, do you want to put that time in to always have to compromise and, you know, 
take other people's feelings into consideration. Or if you don't want to deal with that pain, then you might just choose to be single so you don't have to deal with all that other bullshit. But I really love that approach and that question. I, I, would, I would recommend after this chapter, I would journal that. You know, put on the top of the page, what pain do I want in my life? What am I willing to struggle for? What is the pain that you want to sustain? When I think about it, it's like I put a lot of hard work into all of my businesses. I chose that, I guess in my my early 30s maybe it was, when I finally left the security of a full-time job, uh, somebody posed the question to me and they said, well, April, do you value your freedom or do you value your security? And whichever one you value more, that's the best way to choose if you should become an entrepreneur and go into your own business, or if you want to stay in the nine to five, get your steady paycheck, get your benefits, get your 401k, your retirement, um, then you have your security. And to me, the pain of trying to work hard to have my freedom was much more enticing to me than to play it safe and to just have that security. And I totally get why some people want that security. Believe me, there are times in running three businesses where I think I am nuts and out of my mind. And why don't I just take my master's degree, go and get a job, make, I don't know, anywhere from 60 to 75,000. At this point with my experience, I probably could land a 40 hour week job doing something like that, get the paycheck, bills are paid, there's not all this worry, but then I had, but then I'm working for somebody else. I once came across a quote that said, uh, "If you're not if you're not working on your own dreams, then you'll get paid to make somebody else's dream come true." I believe it was something like that. And when I read that, I was like, "Yeah, do I really want to work for somebody making their dreams come true when I have some of my own thoughts, my own dreams of?" how I want to live my life. So without a doubt, owning these businesses with, uh, you know, Path 11, the wellness studio, the private practice, you know, add on this podcast that I'm doing, there's some pain here. There's lots of hours that go into it. There's lots of thinking about what to do. There's lots of emails, lots of reaching out to people, planning, organizing, you know, I don't work, I don't get paid, but that pain and the time and the effort is so worth it to me because I feel lucky enough to feel like I'm not really working. I really enjoy everything that I do. So I am willing to put up with that pain and that sacrifice for my freedom. And I work really hard because, uh, no lie, there is a part of me that wants some security. So I need to make sure that the money keeps coming in so I can pay these ridiculous bills that we have and the rent and everything that goes along with being in the physical. So I really, really like that question. It made me sit back and really think about what is it that I feel is worth suffering for and what am I going to put my time and effort into in solving problems because on the other end, like he says, when you solve problems, that's where some of the happiness comes in. So choosing your struggle. I guess my the biggest struggle that I chose was uh, my profession and really making that more of my my baby, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And two lines that I'll leave you with for the end of this chapter that Mark writes about. Page 40. Who you are is defined by what you're willing to struggle for. Our struggles determine our successes. So I hope you guys enjoyed chapter two, Happiness is a Problem. I think that he gives you some things to think about there. What's your struggle for? Um, Your call to action. Are you in denial? Are you suffering from victim mentality? Um, 
how do you feel about solving problems? Can you accept the fact that problems never stop? They just keep coming and coming and coming. And we keep solving them and solving them and solving them. And I just, my rule of thumb is I try to solve each problem that comes my way with more grace, more patience, less worry. It all works out. It always does. It's one of my mantras. And just trying to get it through life just a little bit easier. Uh, and not being so hung up and fixated that I have to be happy every single moment, but really embracing these tough times. So I hope you guys enjoyed chapter two as much as I did. And I will see you or be talking to you next week for chapter three. And that title is You Are Not Special. So that should be an interesting one. All right, guys, take care. If you have any questions or comments, email me, april at path11productions.com. Signing off.